The Holy Gospel according to John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What, a bo- what is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet we do not receive, you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, earlier this year, perhaps in the springtime, I had a revelation, an epiphany, a come-to-Jesus moment. I came to recognize that I require more maintenance than I used to. Do you know what I mean? More maintenance? You know, I'm a little older than I once was, and I can't just pick up and go for a run or go on a crash diet and lose some pounds or snap right back into shape. There's a few more aches and pains than there used to be. Uh, Over the winter, I got this cramp in my shoulder that threw my shoulder up like this. I looked like Quasimodo going into the, the men's breakfast and slowly released and let me go. But, and so, I require more maintenance. But there's a difference between understanding that fact and accepting that fact. In fact, I resented that fact. I mean, I really resented it for months and months and months, and it took me a while to move from understanding to acceptance. But finally, I made my peace with it. For instance, I started finally listening to my dentist and flossing every day and using the old-school Listerine that she told me to use. Ugh, it's disgusting. Um, I got back into running this summer. Uh, I did the Couch to 10K app, which is a running plan that takes you from full-on couch potato to running six miles. Uh, And the first runs prescribe intervals like run a minute, walk a minute, run a minute, walk a minute. It was very humbling for a one-time athlete to swallow, but it was the only way to get back into the game. And stretching. God, I hate stretching. I hate stretching. For me, it's the worst part of running 
but it's an absolute necessity for me these days. And there are lots of other things. Like I cleared out all my drawers and closets and old clothes and gave it all away. And there were other things and more. Um, But maybe as I look back, part of the coming to terms with all this was actually seeing Joan Baez in concert earlier this year. Do you remember Joan Baez, the legendary folk singer and social activist? Well, she was playing a concert downtown in Philly, and it's always been my wife Jenny's dream to see her live in concert, and so we went. And Joan Baez recently celebrated her 75th birthday, and she looked great, and she sounded amazing, as good as ever. And between songs, someone in the audience shouted out to her, "'Looking good, Joan!' And she replied, thanks, it's good genes and a lot of discipline. And a lot of discipline. Discipline, at least for me, is not something that's come naturally, at least in terms of my health and fitness. Uh, But this time, it has been about committing to lots of different small changes over time, all of which have added up. And now I'm back to running 10 miles and more. Now, I'm not telling many of you something you don't already know. Many of you have already come to that moment or maybe have had several of these moments along the way or many, maybe many of you are just circling around that realization that I had too. But however old you are, it's true that you are older than you once were and in some way need more maintenance than you once did. And approaching it that way seems to have made the difference for me this time around. But that experience has also made me think a lot about how change happens in our lives and what it takes to change. You know, most time change doesn't come about through dramatic moments of revelation. Change is more commonplace and boring, like flossing your teeth. Change usually takes place over time. It's often quiet. Sometimes it sneaks up on us and we think, oh, I've changed. It's the combination of big but mostly small and medium-sized moments that make us who we are. Conventional wisdom, you may have heard, says that it takes 21 days to create a new habit. Have you heard that? Well, I recently read in a book that they now say it takes 66 days, which <laughs> is totally not fair. That's just moving the goalposts on, on you. Doesn't seem, that doesn't seem fair, but it seems also this time around to fit with my experience. It takes a little longer than just a few weeks to turn a new leaf. But it turns out that small changes can beget other changes and more changes. And so now, in addition to running, I'm practicing mindfulness every day through the Headspace Mindfulness app, and I'm doing yoga. And for somebody that hates stretching, I am doing yoga. I mean, who am I now? What has happened to me? So most of the time, change, I think, in our lives is incremental. And maybe incremental change is the most durable because it builds our deep foundations and it adds on layers of practice and experience and understanding over time. That's one of the reasons, I think, that the Bible can be hard to relate to. Growing up, we hear these great stories of Moses and the burning bush and Jonah and the whale and St. Paul on the road to Damascus, the calling of the disciples where Jesus says, follow me, and they do. They go through these moments where all of a sudden they turn 90, 180, 360 degrees, just like that. They're great stories, but somehow they can feel disconnected from what feels like our own experience of fumbling about as we find our way in life and faith. And so this is one of the reasons that I love Nicodemus, 
who is one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in our gospel reading out of a sense of genuine seeking. He comes in the cover of night because he's a leader, a member of the religious establishment, and it wouldn't be right for him to be seen with Jesus. But he's heard Jesus, and he's seen Jesus, and he's curious, and he's interested, and they have this conversation that we overhear this morning. Nicodemus says that he recognizes that the things that Jesus does can only be done through God, but he doesn't understand how or why. And he asks that great question, can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Can we change? And Jesus refers him to baptism, talking about being reborn of water and the Spirit, and leads him to that most iconic of verses in the Bible, John 3.16, about how much God loves us and sent His Son for us. And the verse that follows, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. So the context, the occasion, the reason that this verse is in the Bible, that we see it at all those football and baseball and soccer games, is because Nicodemus had this question, and he sought Jesus out. And then Nicodemus, like many characters in the Bible, just kind of disappears. But unlike other characters in the Bible, he comes back. He reappears four chapters later. As people are conspiring to detain and even kill Jesus, Nicodemus protests, saying that Jesus should have a fair trial, at least. John tells it this way, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, asked, Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? It was a courageous move on his part, challenging his colleagues to help defend Jesus. And as one commentator writes, Nicodemus in this moment moves from the cover of darkness when he first met Jesus out into the light. Then Nicodemus disappears once again and shows up again 12 chapters later in chapter 19 at the time of Jesus' death. John says Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with spices and linen cloths according to the burial customs of the Jews. Nicodemus brought more myrrh and aloes than were necessary for Jesus' burial, and it was a sign of the great love and honor that he afforded to Jesus. And so from that first conversation under the cover of darkness, Nicodemus now makes this beautiful act of devotion, anointing Jesus' dead body for burial. How do we change? How do we become Christian? How do we learn to love and to follow Jesus? The arc of Nicodemus' story suggests that it takes time, that change like faith is like following a series of stepping stones from one insight or one act or one prayer to the, ne to the next, and it's not always a straight line. And as Christians, we have good genes. After all, we are the children of God. But as Joan Baez points out, it also takes some discipline. And as the Jesuit mystic Teilhard de Chardin once said, we must trust in the slow work of God. Which brings us to our theme and campaign for today in the next two weeks and beyond, changed lives change the world. 
And at first, it seems like an audacious thing to say, that our church changes lives, that our church changes the world, but we do. As you heard on the video, the theme is inspired by you and your stories and our stories together, from the stories we share over coffee hour or during the peace or in our new member classes or at retreats or the beer garden, over dinner or coffee. It's true that this is a place where lives are changed and we do change the world individually in our everyday lives and in the ministry and the work that we do together. And that is what Christianity is about, changing lives through the love of God. It's what church is about, experiencing that massive love and grace of God in a welcoming and loving community and in turn sharing that with others, serving and loving others as Jesus did for us. And so each of these next few Sundays, we're going to hear a couple of these stories from our congregation, stories that echo the story of Nicodemus. But of course, these aren't the only stories. They are only some of the stories. But I hope they're going to encourage us to share how our lives have been changed or enhanced or nurtured or affected by being part of this church and how this church empowers us to make a difference in the world. And so I hope you'll tell your story and share your story. Maybe you'll write it down. You can email it to me or record a short video and send it to me. Share it online. We even made a Snapchat geo filter if you're on Snapchat for the next few Sundays, or you could use our hashtag, MyUDLC. And over the coming weeks, we want all of us to have a chance to tell and to share our stories. As one of the people that recorded their story said to me, It's really good to take a moment to reflect on this place, this community, these people, and these what these ministries mean to us. To remember how it's marked the moments of our lives, lifted us up when we were low, and loved us into our best selves. To remember what a special place and church and community this truly is. And that in this place it's true that changed lives change the world. So our first story this morning. Uh, comes from the Redding family, and Tad is going to share that with us now. Amen. So I grew up Catholic and went to Catholic Church, and all was good and fine, and then I met my husband, um, and he's Buddhist, so we were kind of looking for somewhere where we could meet in the middle, and I was still searching, and a friend of mine asked me to come on a women's Bible retreat, and I went, and I was hooked. Each church has its own identity, and this church, to me, struck as soon as I was here. And the people here were so welcoming to me and my wife. I was born in Vietnam, and I'm a refugee. In 1975, my parents, my father was an American GI, and my mother was Vietnamese, and they they married. And we escaped from Vietnam on the uh, last day of evacuation. People here were so welcoming. And it, brought, it brought that back to me in my mind. And how when we came over to the United States, my father's family was all there at the airport and they, and they welcomed me. So this church was almost a second wind for me. So. From looking around at six different churches and hoping that we would find a community where we would fit in and be welcome. And now I look six years, seven years later, and now it's just ingrained in our lives. And, it, and this church is a part of our everyday lives. I think the way that UDLC 
works is it's like you can light a thousand candles with one single candle. Sharing happiness is, is never can never decrease if that's maintained. You know, you can keep things going and going as long as you know you have your heart and, and your soul into it. It, it can't be stopped. UDLC has empowered me to change the world, to have a place where I can come, recharge, get focused, and then go out and be the best Christian that I can be out in our busy world today.